Choosing a wedding ring should be a special moment, but for many men, it can be overwhelming. What style, size, and metal do you pick? Weddings already have enough decisions. Well, that's where Mr. OK comes in. Thanks to their two timeless styles, Mr. OK eliminates all the guesswork out of choosing your wedding ring, offering guidance every step of the way. And if you don't know your ring size, don't worry. They'll send you a free ring sizer to get you started. Made in Brooklyn, New York, from the highest quality sustainable gold, Mr. OK makes the kind of classic men's wedding rings you'll feel proud to wear forever. Visit MrOK.co, M-R-O-K.co, and use the word Jove for 10% off your order. Again, visit MrOK.co, M-R-O-K.co, and use the code Jove for 10% off your order. Weddings ish, 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 weddings ish. With Jove. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Weddings Ish with Jove. This episode, our wedding planning tip, I share all about how to throw a holiday party at your house stress free. All the details, preparations, suggestions to make your holiday party a fantastic one, but also one that you can enjoy. And I sit down with our very special guest, the talented designer, Haley Page. Enjoy. While the holidays are some of the happiest times of the year, it can sometimes be very stressful hosting a party. So I wanted to share with you some tips on how to host a stress-free holiday party at your home. While it's not necessarily a wedding planning tip, I think it can be very helpful for those of you hosting a party. So there are nine easy steps. The first is to create a shopping list. I know it can be so overwhelming when you go to the grocery store and you have no idea what you're going to buy. You end up walking out with half the store and nothing that's cohesive. So decide on your menu in advance and make a list. And also overbuy the little things. So crackers, cheese, charcuterie, all the things that people will surely eat. Make sure to buy a little extra. You can always store them. They tend to have a long shelf life. And if you don't eat them all at that party, you'll have another party or you'll enjoy them yourself. Number two, prepare and cook ahead. Do as much of the heavy lifting as you can before your friends and family arrive. That way, you're not in the kitchen playing caterer while they're all enjoying each other's company. So if you're going to make a delicious meatloaf, cook it the night before, cook it that morning, and just have it in the oven on warm so that you can walk in and it's ready to serve. You're not in the kitchen slaving away while they're all relaxing and enjoying. Prepare all of your cheese and charcuterie and crudite your appetizers, and also make things that can sit out a little while that don't need to be heated or chilled or sort of kept at a certain temperature so that you can really enjoy your friends and family around you. Number three, always have plenty of drinks. There's never really a wrong amount to buy when it comes to having a party, and again, you can always drink the leftover. So make sure you have extra cases of red and white wine, or rosé if it's summer, or you just love it, and bubbly. That way, if you run out of a specialty cocktail, don't worry. You don't have to go back in the kitchen and remake it. You can just serve wine. It's easy, you uncork it, and you can do it together. If you are having a specialty cocktail, make sure to pre-batch that ahead of time. Let it sit overnight, or if it's sangria, you can let it all sort of soak in together. That way, you're enjoying the party and not in the kitchen. You see, there's a theme here. I want you with your friends, not hiding away in the kitchen. 
Number four, spruce the place up. Whether it's a small apartment or a home, you want to sort of spruce it up. Make it feel special. So whether you cut some flowers from outside and put them in a vase um, or put some decor around, you want to show a little effort that you spruced up the home for those coming for the holiday party. Number five, tidy up. Different from spruce it up, spruce it up is to make it cuter and prettier and festive in whatever way you think is fun. Tidying up is if there's a space you're not proud of, well, that becomes your storage room. And put anything you want to move, any extra furniture, any extra tables, chairs, anything that's in the way, um, put it all in that room and shut the door. A good guest would never go in a room that they're not invited to on a tour. And if you have a lock, then lock it. Throw everything in there so that way the house feels fresh and open and clean and you can hide away all your projects in a room that no one will go to. Also, get a coat rack. If you don't have one, you can buy one at Ikea. You can rent one for cheap. Rather than throwing everything on the bed and making your bed sort of the coat rack, just rent one or buy one for cheap. It'll make it so much easier, and your bed won't be wet from, you know, snowy jackets or dirty shoes. Um, Number six, play that funky music. It's so important that you set the tone for your party. So play your music. Set a playlist ahead of time, whether you make it on Spotify or you put it in on Pandora. And don't be cheap. Pay the extra 5 or $6 for the account so there are no commercials. And make sure you get the playlist going. It'll set the tone. It'll get people in the mood. And nobody wants a commercial. That kills the vibe so fast. If you do have vinyl, as much as I love vinyl and I love playing it in my own home, it can be really hard at a dinner party or a holiday party because vinyls only have a few songs per side. So you're flipping the vinyl, then you're changing the vinyl. And again, you're spending your whole party time being the DJ. So unless you have a friend who's going to play that funky music, playlists, Spotify, all of the above work really, really great. And get creative, whether you pick a theme or have an all-female playlist, an all-male playlist, the 80s playlist, the holiday list, whatever makes you happy, set the tone. Number seven, get the place in the mood. So dim your lights, turn the lights off, light some candles. Nobody wants a bright white house for a party. You want to set the mood. Um, Sometimes if you don't have a dimmer, just turn off the light completely or put a gel over it or you can cover it with some sort of fabric as long as you're safe and your house will not burn down to really set the mood in the house, set the ambiance with lighting, natural or candle. Number eight, create the right time that works for everyone. If you can't really nail down the right time from six to eight, well, then open your house from four to 10. Make it more of a mingle, come and go, rather than a very precise time. The holidays can be busy for everyone. Everyone's shopping, buying gifts, getting trees, getting food, you know, all of these things. So if you create a wider time frame, then maybe more of your friends can drop in and drop out at their leisure as opposed to a strict two-hour party. And last but not least, it's your holiday. It should be done your way in your home. So you do you. Don't be stuck with grandma's traditions or mom or dad's traditions. This is your home. This is your family. These are your friends. Make new traditions. Do what feels right to you and have a holiday party that reflects your style, your personality, your beliefs, and what matters most to you. Have the best holiday parties and enjoy. Weddings-ish. I am super excited to be sitting across from the fun, 
boisterous, creative, super beautiful, and very sweet designer, Haley Page. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Your office feels, I think, exactly like what I thought it would feel like. It's a lot of pink and white. And are all of these dresses your designs? Yes. It took a a real good amount of time to get them up there, but... It also is convenient for filming because we own the rights to them. Got it, because they're actually your images. (laughs) Yes. So we're sitting in her office in the design district, the fashion district, Mm -hmm. and um, I'll post a picture, but there are probably hundreds of images, if not thousands, in this room. Lots of visuals. (laughs) So where are you from originally, Haley? I'm from California. Oh, where in California? Um, About... 30 minutes south of San Francisco. Okay, I'm from Southern California. No wonder I love you. California kinship. Um, And how did you make your way to New York City? So I actually went to school upstate New York. Okay. um, At Cornell. And then I filtered my way to Manhattan shortly thereafter. Did you study fashion or design? So I did. I did a program called Fiber Science and Apparel Design. Fiber Science. Yeah. So you're like very smart. They have to make things so official there. I don't know anyone that studied fashion at Cornell. So I know. obviously you're like clearly a go-getter. It was, it was a very cool program um, and a little unanticipated because I actually was going after a more formulaic profession. My okay. dad's a doctor yeah. and I was kind of one of those logical minds thinking, okay, if I study really hard and I know the material, I can become a doctor someday. Sure. So I kind you of like- see success if you- yep. Exactly. Um, so they had a great you know, medicine program there too. Um, and I was part of the biology and science when I first got there. Oh, so you were like thinking med school. Yeah, I was thinking med school. I could see you on Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> now I can sew their clothing. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was great because they offered a double major- like kind of program, and um, I basically ended up falling in love with pretty dresses instead of carbon equations. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you're literally a split personality in yeah. mind, in terms of your mind, <laughs> sort of like math and science and creative. Yeah, I love all of it. I, I think it's nice to be. I always say like the well-rounded thing can give you the edge sometimes. Okay, um, but it's. It was also just nice to have the exposure on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And I think when you balance your brain sometimes, it helps you perform a little bit better. But okay. that's just for me, maybe. So wise. Well, you know. No. I know. Well, I <laughs> mean, you know, sometimes people think, oh my God, she makes pretty dresses. She's blonde. She's gorgeous. Period. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> but you're also super intelligent. You went to Cornell. Almost <laughs> thought about being a doctor. So yeah. how, did, how did that transition happen? And how did you sort of... When did you make your first dress? Um, well, I also kind of considered design more of a hobby. Oh, so you were sort of doing it on yeah, the side? Yeah, when I was growing up. And my grandma taught me to sew and crochet at a really young age. Okay. And kind of the whole home ec thing, like cooking and just the Martha Stewart platform of, yeah. ooh, can I DIY this or whatever. Yes. Um, and so like I always saw it as something that was really fun and creative and playful, but I didn't see it as a, a viable profession. Career. Yeah. Okay. So, and it was it was no fault but my own to think that way. It sure. wasn't like it was ingrained in me, but um, I always kept up with the sewing, and it was kind of a dying art when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was two people in my sewing class in high school. Two. And now that class, I think, is completely <laughs> like impossible to get into. Sure. So, so obviously, the whole trade and craftsmanship of things has really elevated over the past, you know, twenty years. Yeah. But um, but I always stuck with it. I always made my prom dresses. Um, I used to make little purses for my mom. And okay. She would like 
pretend to sell them to her friends. And I think she was actually buying all <laughs> she the She was the one buying all the purses. <laughs> Haley, we sold five purses oh this my month. God. <laughs> so that was awesome. Such a sweet mom. I know. Uh, but then, you know, when I got to Cornell, it was weird because the program was just, they kind of approached it in a way that was very mathematical almost. Okay. Um, and you learn a lot of the geometry behind, behind pattern, pattern making, making and sure. draping. And so I think that maybe was the first, you know, little sprinkle of, yeah, that there's such a, a base to this. Yeah. Um, and then I, I got lucky because I had this professor that was a mentor and she really helped me kind of change my perspective, the mm-hmm. whole thing. And um, I really needed validation in life. Like I was a gymnast Who growing up. <laughs> Who doesn't? Wait, you were a gymnast? <laughs> yeah, I was a gymnast. Oh my gosh. So you did the bar or the poles or which? <laughs> the poles. <laughs> I don't really know much about I gymnastics mean, other than for a events, really bad movie. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, it's so funny because the gymnastics culture, like you're in it and you just become part of this cool little tribe sure. of girls. And I did it for 15 years. So I did wow. it in college as well. Um, wow. But it was a big part of my life. But I think that when you're constantly um, performing and you're looking for the judging and the validation, the validation it for kind sure. of transfers into your real life. Everything you do is rated. Yeah. <laughs> like so, everything, the way you stand, <laughs> the way you smile. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but it also kind of helped me later in college because I was getting graded for something and, yep. you know, one piece of something that I would learn would be carried into the next, sure. so kind of like a routine. Um, so I kind of worked on that mechanic of it. Yeah. And uh, Did you ever fantasize like the Olympic life? Like, do you oh, love yeah. Simone Bile? Oh, like, what time. is your... <laughs> I was I was definitely thinking about how could I do this, like, yeah. become an Olympic athlete. But, um, you know, it just was, I kind of was a little bit of the class clown, which is okay. really funny, but... I just didn't have as many friends in actual school. So all my friends were in gymnastics. Got so it. when I came to gymnastics, I felt, oh my gosh, I have these great girlfriends. Sure, you and could like be yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was always kind of being a little bit sillier than the other gymnasts, which I think did not help my chances. <laughs> Doesn't bode well on the discipline side of things. Exactly. <laughs> Look, I, was, I can do a backflip. <laughs> I was a, yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, it's so fun to tumble. But yeah, they, they definitely, I got kicked out of practice a number of times for talking too much. So. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, so this professor I had at Cornell, she, um, you know, she was almost like a gymnastics coach in a way. So it was like a natural um, interaction for me. And okay. then I started to really understand what a serious profession this could be mm-hmm. that you can still have fun with. Yeah. Um, and I was always attracted to bridal because no shame in the game. I grew up on Disney princesses. You're that girl. Oh my gosh. Like Sleeping Beauty, all <laughs> like Cinderella. I mean, just yes. all well, of it, it. It feels like that translates a lot into your work also. It's well, very yes. dreamy. It's ethereal. Yeah. It's romantic. Exactly. And I think it's funny because people can take that side very seriously too and in, in the whole, you know, oh, it's the damsel and they have to be a princess and find sure. their prince. And it, you know, it wasn't so much of that that I was captivated by. It was more so just this fabulous dress that uh-huh. makes you feel like- She walked into a room and everybody knew. Exactly. Got it. That's so, so funny. I love that. And I also love the romance side of things. I love love and, you know, I'm blessed because my parents, you know, they just, they have a really great marriage mm-hmm. and it's something I have always aspired, you know, to have. And, sure. And um, they've been married 40 years this year. 40 years. 40 years. And they're just like a great team. That's crazy. So I love that. And to be able to celebrate that in a sure. creative way and contribute to somebody's day like that is pretty 
pretty cool. It's kind of amazing. So yeah. you were obviously a multifaceted person, still are, I imagine. And you had your math and science doctor brain, your fashion brain, your gymnastics brain. You had a lot of options. So what was sort of the step to making your first dress as an adult, sort of as a career move rather than as a hobby? Right. It was because my first dress um, that was graded on happened in college. Um, I was very, I overthought it a lot. Got it. Um, you wanted it to be perfect. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was great for me because you learn so much as you go along. And I think that a lot of people don't always talk about the process mm-hmm. with being a designer and being a creative. And it's, you know, maybe it is, there's an, an innate sense to it and there's like having a great eye and a good taste level. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the craft in it, whether it's sketching or it's pattern making or it's coming up with something on the fly, is practice. Yeah. And the more you really expose yourself to it, um, the better you get. Sure. And you don't... Like any skill. Yes, it's yeah. so true. And I think a lot of students in design, um, you know, they get discouraged because they think, oh, I'm not naturally great at sketching or, oh, I'm not naturally great at coming up with something on the fly sure. like or improv or anything like that. And I love to kind of just give them a little uh, confidence in the fact that I, too, like learned so much of my craft. In the beginning, sure. Over time. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm so great at design. And I also didn't think to myself, I'm like, oh, I'm so good at designing. No, you were your worst so, critic, I'm sure. Yeah, and it was it was so much part of the process in that, um, testing it and the first dress I came out with, you know, it was, you know, I'm proud of it because I look back and it's like, sure. it was a starting point, you know, and you got, you got something off the ground, but, um, you know, it just was, it was not as good as like. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a picture of said dress? I'd oh, love I think to I do. see it. I think I do. Okay, I think so it's we'll, in my closet. We'll <laughs> share it on the blog because <laughs> yes. I do want to see Haley Page's first ever dress. And Done. what year was that? Um, this was in 2004, I guess. Okay, 2004 was your first dress. Yeah, 2004, 2003. I've got to go back in time quite a while. Yeah, it's fine. And that's when you sort of were starting to say like, I'm going to make a career out of fashion. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's definitely part of it. And at Cornell too, they just, it was a smaller group of people learning at the same time, sure. all at the, kind of the same level. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they really did give such an amazing um, oomph to mm-hmm. your learning experience and treating it so much like an educational thing for me was spot on because yeah. I, I'm not somebody that like loved tests, sure. but I definitely am somebody that needed to study. Yeah. So they kind of put that twist on it. So I was like, oh, I can really learn this. It was like medical school for dresses. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was technical. It was informational. Yeah. Totally. That's kind of amazing. So you graduate Cornell mm-hmm. and what happens after? Um, so I actually worked for a designer right out of college. Oh, okay. Um, and it was a great experience for me because um, it was more high fashion based mm-hmm. um, and it was more about like the sample room and getting things done in time for runway. Okay. So it was a bit of a boot camp too because I was I was so fresh meat then. Sure. Um, you were and, right out of college where you're like, yeah. oh, I have all this time for this project. Yeah. I know. And, and then you're like, get, you're in get it. on it, girl. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't it wasn't bridal. Okay. Um, and I do think that one of the most important lessons I learned in New York very early on was emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, because that's what does such that a, mean to you? So for me, it's just learning to control your reactions to things mm. and trying to remain really professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at this job, it was very high stress, and I was showing it a lot. Sure. And I was so stressed out, and you know, um, I would react so easily to things and take yeah. a lot of things personally. Yeah. So I think I learned a lot about that 
um, in and those they first six months. And they learned a lot about months. you. I know. I was like, <laughs> Everyone's like, ooh, Haley, <laughs> go that way. I cried like a lot <laughs> during that time. I mean, your first job can do that. And yeah. if you go right into fat, people don't know, fashion is so intense. It is. It's like a lot of ego and, and attitude and like, we needed this yesterday. So true. Kind of a thing. Always after the fact. But um, I was, meanwhile, when I was working at this other company, I was pining after every single bridal house in okay. New York City. Like, I knew where Oscar de la Renta was. Yeah. I knew where Valentina was. Like, every single, um, like, house and showroom or person that knew somebody. Yeah. I was like, going on my lunch break, dropping off my resume, like, sending sketches. Trying to get jobs. Yeah. As and, a designer or just anything in-house? Um, pretty much anything in-house. Got it. Um, but I wanted to be designed. Yeah. So, I was very, you know... Proficient in like mm-hmm. displaying. This is what I, you know, sure. my, my skill set is or sketches, whatever. Here are my sketches. Here's the dress. Yeah. Hire me. And I was running a sample, or not running it, but I was, I was so involved in the sample room process that I understood the cutting tickets and the patterns. So I thought I could have lent myself to that as well. Sure. Um, but I got lucky because I had a friend that um, knew somebody that was also working in the bridal industry, mm-hmm. and I got a good, good, you know, contact. And um, I applied for a job at Priscilla of Boston okay. working for Melissa Sweet. And um, I ended up getting that job, you know, very quickly. Sure. And she ended up actually moving to Costa Rica. So they kind of restructured the design team a bit. Um, and that was and also... you snuck your way in. Yeah, I kind of wiggled my <laughs> way in, like a little glowworm. Like, I'm still in. here. Take me. <laughs> um, and I was there for a good five years. Oh, wow. Um, and that too, that experience was... So important for me because you just, you know, you really roll up your sleeves and learn the process Mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't, you don't get paid very much and you rarely ever get credit for anything. And you work all the time. You work all the time, but it's so good to go through that process. And, um, I do think if you are not lazy and you don't let, you know, your ego, the feeding of the ego in a term of like, I need this, um, I need my name everywhere. I need my credit here. My recognition. Because people can also see the credit and the validation coming from just you increasing your value and your skill set sure. for something greater later on. Yeah. Um, but at the very end of my career there, there was a really unique opportunity um, with another high fashion design house, Marquesa. Um, and that was a great experience too because it was uh, it was more high fashion based. Okay. And I obviously, I mean, I love bridal. It's my baby but mm-hmm. you know the idea of doing derivative branding in ready to wear or evening is well in Marquesa. So, like, it's hello. so exciting <laughs> and intriguing. So um, there's like a little bit of an overlap here, but I did start uh, a new company with one of my friends on the side while at Priscilla Boston. Okay, and it was called something borrowed, and it was um, a cool experience because you learn about raising funding. Okay, and the whole business side, the entrepreneurial spirit, and how. You know, things really run in a business. Sure. So it wasn't just the design side. And that experience working with my friend, um, shout out Brittany Haas, because she's amazing. And yeah. she now still runs the company and it's now okay. called Happily Ever Borrowed. Uh, but it was such a cool thing to have a partner and build something from the from ground, the ground up. up. It's yeah. totally different than walking into a door that has been established. So true. So true. And you really learn so much about yourself and what your strengths are and what your weaknesses mm-hmm. are. And we made such a great team, but I also realized that raising funding and understanding the budgetary side of things, just the economics, not my We're strength. not your thing. Not even yeah, close. And you're I the creative. Lo- creative. And I love the design. Yeah. And um, so while through that experience, I knew that JLM Couture is a house of brands as well. And all of their brands 
at the time were made in the Garment District of New York. Mm-hmm. It was this, you know, kind of intimate um, company where they, they raise funding. He, he provides the capital um, and then kind of takes it from the ground up. He as, curates a designer. Exactly. Yep. And I was like, ooh, that's intriguing. That sounds amazing. I want to be there. Like, So I started contacting JLM almost two years before I was hired. Wow. Um, just like, hey. Planted the seed. Like poking the bear. Hello. Like, are you around? I'm like, Haley. Exactly. I'm still Haley. <laughs> I know. I was so annoying. I actually should go back through those emails but and see what I said. But that's two years of persistence. It was, yeah. And, and that also, too, is, you know, sometimes it can happen in a very quick moment. Sure. That, you know, somebody just believes in you right away. Um, and for, Which is rare, I think, for it, most people. It is people. rare. And I think it, there's also such a two-sided to the coin in, you know, you have a company, even if you have this great skill set, you have a company that's also looking for somebody to really deliver on something. Yeah. So you have to see other people's perspective in this whole process. For of sure. You know your greatness, and, but they don't know you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or your perceived greatness, you know. <laughs> no. but, um, but it was funny because I finally got an interview here. And considering the experience and everything that was going on in my life at the time, I really saw this as an opportunity sure. to, to, to dazzle and blow this guy away because, you know, I wanted the brand factor and just the building of something in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. And because there was in, existing infrastructure in manufacturing and distribution. It was perfect. I mean, it was such a great um, opportunity. Yeah. And I felt like if I could really bring something of value aesthetically to the company, and if I could really be like a nice puzzle piece to what is already going on that's already successful Mm -hmm. um, through JLM Couture, it could be this creative magnetism together. Um, And that's basically what happened because when I pitched, um, you know, a collection and a project to my CEO, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he gave me the project and I was like, I got to get done right away. I got to get it done. Like, I want to just show him. On your first pitch. It was on my first pitch. So you were like nagged for two years, got a meeting. In the meeting, it was a pitch meeting with the CEO. It was, so the first meeting was just like him giving me a project. Okay. And was like, he, you know, he kind of said, take your time, come back with it. And like the next day I was like, hey, it's done. (laughs) I stayed up all night. I had to do it right away. Overachiever. Because I was like, he's probably looking at other designers. Sure. Very smart. Yeah. And I I was 25 at the time. Um, So I was a little nervous too, because experience wise, when you're bringing somebody in as a designer, you really do want them to be um, very tenured, seasoned. Exactly. And um, I just also felt it was important to not show just the design side, but also how the the cost breakdown works mm-hmm. and where you would sit on a on a margin yeah, base. Yeah, what this dress would cost to make. Price point, totally. Yep. And I learned a lot is. of that at Priscilla Boston too. Sure. So um, it just was a, it was so many things coming together and it was at the right time as well um, for his company and for, for me. So there were a lot of things working in favor mm-hmm. um, when, it, when it all went down. Um, so yeah, so we launched in, in 2011. Okay. And... Um, it was just a very cool time to look back on because, yeah. you know, he took a huge risk hiring somebody like me to bring in a brand yeah. and at that time. And then, you know, I also was just, I think I was kind of numbing myself to the mm-hmm. fact that, oh my gosh, this could happen. This could really be something great. Yeah. And um, I didn't even pitch the idea of my name being on it. Oh, and really? You no, weren't like, I want Haley Page as the name. He was like, I love your name. So huh. I was like, thanks. And like, the best, actually, I don't think I've ever told the story, but the best part was my mom was always, my mom and dad were always just so encouraging of the design factor. Sure. And 
when I was like, I don't know, 11 or 12, my mom was like, you should really buy the domain name HaleyPage.com. When you were 11 like, or 12. I was 12. so like, young. Computers weren't even... No, it was like when the internet first came out. Yeah. And it was like such a genius <laughs> thing. And at the time I was like, okay, that's a great sure, idea. Mom. Like, let's do it. And yeah. I'm so glad that we did it because we had the domain name. Wait, that's it. Wait, you actually bought it 10 years bought before. Bought it like ten, a Network Solutions that's 10 years ago. crazy. And I had it. And what was great is when Joe you know, said, I love your name, I was like, oh, funny thing about my name. I already um, own it. I already, I already have like the name, the domain and that's everything. crazy. So it was, it was nice. I was like, here, here's the, you know, we have yeah. the website. So that's great. That's amazing. Because now I even feel like my husband's starting, you know, his company right now and the idea of like, Packaging something from the ground now, and sure. like getting the domain, getting the rights to something, yeah, the trademark, all of it. So overwhelming, yeah, because um, there are just so many companies and so many names, and there are and people who just go and buy a bunch of names yeah, they think will be famous, so be that you buy it from them. <laughs> yeah. It's totally crazy. I know. Slash, I wish I would have thought of that. I know. I know. <laughs> it's I was terrible. Like, but awesome. I mean, you just sit at home and buy domains all day. Um, okay, so that's amazing. So all of your hard work paid off. You did the project, you were brought on, and mm-hmm. how many pieces were in your first collection? So our first collection had 10 pieces. Okay. Um, and then I also produced for the Blush collection at that time. Which was theirs or Which that was, was already then theirs. Haley Page Blush? Yeah. It was already theirs and um, it was under the Jim Helm brand okay. at the time. So I did both collections for that first debut uh, and it, it was cool because on one hand I felt like I was feeding something that was already successful, sure. plush, but, you know, was already out there. Um, and then to have Haley be this this new, mm-hmm. you know, entity and something that was a newer, fresher aesthetic uh, was just like a nice sisterhood almost. Sure. So that's why, you know, those brands quickly morphed into sister brands. Um, Haley Page is the higher price point, And then... Blush by Haley Page is the lower price point. So it's not actually all blush dresses. It's just the <laughs> I mean, name. There's a lot of blush color dresses. Okay, I noticed that at your runway show. Yeah. Um, but that's a great clarification. It's a price point difference. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and what would you, what words would you use to describe Haley Page's style? Ooh, I would say thrower of confetti. Okay. I would say um, transcendental. Okay. And bubbly. Okay. Bubbly feels right. Yeah. I mean, you are so bubbly. So to see it in your work makes total sense. Yeah. Um, And you are married. I am married. When were you married? 2015. Okay. And Um, was it at all daunting that you were literally making wedding dresses? Like, are you going on a first date? What do you do? (laughs) Like, (laughs) It's so, I say that it was like the tooth fairy losing a tooth a little bit. Oh. Um, That was like what it felt like. What happens when a tooth fairy loses a tooth? come on. Who gives me the money? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Now I want to know. But no, it was, it was such a cool experience Mm -hmm. because we'd already produced so many collections at that point. And I was starting to gain my confidence as a designer. And I think that is so important. You know, you don't always get it right and you're always going to be a student of design. Mm -hmm. But at that timing, I'm just at the point where I'm having so much fun. And so for me to be engaged at that point, um, I really just didn't want to hold back. And I didn't want to have any rules. And I wanted to wear as many dresses as I possibly could design in the time. Um, And so it... It wasn't as pressuring as I think a lot of people would think it would be because mm-hmm. I, I went in knowing that whatever I wanted at that time 
was going to change in six months. Got it. Because as a designer, you know, you're always like, what's yep. the next thing? Well, the new next. ideas. Like, what's coming out? Yeah. And that's, I think that's so important to have that mindset because you do want to come out with new things. But um, I just made peace with that and said, like, these are the dresses I want right now. And like, if I was to design right now, they'd be completely totally different. different. Oh my gosh, yeah. So how many dresses did you wear on your wedding day? I wore three on that day. Okay. And then I wore one the night before and one the day after. Okay. So it was like a whole parade Five of total dresses. dresses. <laughs> That's amazing. Were you married here in New York? Or? Um, we got married in Lake Tahoe. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, in Nevada. And how Nevada did you two side. meet? The old-fashioned way or on an app? No, we met, uh, my godfather actually golfed with Danny. Okay. Um, and they were all in California. I was in New York. And it's just funny because he was always like, when you're like really serious and ready to get married, I'll just introduce you to your husband and that will be it. And I was like, what? You're like, this is weird. Yeah. So I kind of like entertained it for a hot minute and then just, I think both him and I were like, this is weird. It's awkward. Yeah. yeah it's very I'm like, strange. he's in California. I'm in New York. Yeah. Like, there's no way this would work. And then um, Danny tells the story way better than I do. But basically, my godfather kept like pursuing him and saying like pursuing Danny for you. He's like, you need to <laughs> on you the golf course. Hey, did you check her out yet? <laughs> hey, blah 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 blah. Like, did you look at her Facebook? Blah blah. <laughs> and then finally, like one day at the gym, he's like, oh my just gosh. Google her. Like Google her, which is so weird. And like, yeah. I even feel like narcissistic saying that, but it was like, but that's the story. Google her. So and everybody he, says that. To he, be honest, I, right? I googled all my first dates. I google my clients. You have I google to because things come up that are not on Instagram or sure. on Facebook or whatever. All the things come up, and that's when you really find out who they're. So I guess he like Googled me and then he went on like the image search and there was like a picture of me that is not even like, I didn't even like that picture of yeah. me. So thank goodness he thinks I was good looking at that, that, in that photo. Phase. I don't know. <laughs> um, but he, something came over him, he said. On Google. One <laughs> <laughs> late night, was there alcohol involved? <laughs> had to have been, had to have been. Um, He's just in California <laughs> Googling you. This is so romantic. <laughs> and it was on St. Patrick's Day. And he literally texted me. He was me, totally drinking totally green beer green or something beer. like that. Yeah, all over green beer. Oh my! God. Uh, and texted me that night, and it's so funny for the first time ever. He had never texted you before. It was the first time. Yeah. And you were a lady in waiting. You would have on, been like on a treadmill. I think I was like <laughs> not so drinking not green beer. Glamorous. Well, it's a three three hour difference. Okay, so got it. Later, you were gonna treadmill gonna drink to St. Patrick's Day party. <laughs> got it. Um, but he texted me. And it was really, it was like love at first text yeah. because he put so much wit and humor into that one text that was engaging and it was like looking for a response from me. And yeah. it was kind of a challenge because I, I was thinking, okay, I got to be funny back. What do I text back? back? Yeah. Like, I, what am I going to text yeah. back? And I, I got to think about it for like a, a good amount of time. And you'd never seen him. Never saw him. Oh my God. You didn't Google him. So I actually saw him on like an Instagram post because funny story, like we have, we're kind of like a star cross situation. Uh Um, My sister had played poker with him one time. Got it. And she's like, I know Danny Wallace. And I was like, what? How did you date (laughs) him? We ain't doing no Eskimo sister thing here. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) So funny. Uh, But no, she was like, he's so nice. And he went to the, you know, this school and Uh there was just like an inner group of friends or whatever. That's crazy. But yeah, we were texting hardcore for like three or four days straight. Uh And then we... Talked on the phone, which is a big step is so because the now. voice changes everything. Yeah, it does. It's like you picture someone a certain way, and yeah. it could go really great or totally really terribly. Um, but we were just so flirty and mm-hmm. already engaged with each other on a level that was appreciated and reciprocated and sure. all that good stuff. So um, we ran really hot though because I just was like, "Hey, you want to come out to New York, the Bahamas?" <laughs> what? Yeah. 
So I was like so <laughs> oh aggressive. Gosh. And any girl out there that like needs an oomph of like, go for it. Like yeah. do not like, ask me. Cause you'll say, do because it. Like, do it. Like you won't like That's do it. amazing. <laughs> so your first date was in the Bahamas? So, okay. So I had this amazing <laughs> runway show going on down oh there. Gosh. And I was like, what a, okay, that makes sense. what a cool opportunity to meet somebody like sure. in a tropical environment. And, and in my world a yeah, little bit. And I was like, maybe I can impress him. I'll like walk on the runway. And if he says, yes, like, you know, he's spontaneous. He's interested. Exactly. All these things. And this was maybe two weeks later, right? Uh, from texting and phone calls. From the, from the oh invitation. And I was like, I think I said, um, you know what you should do? You shouldn't come to the Bahamas. But what you really should do is come to the Bahamas. <laughs> it was like so that weird the way so I said confusing. it. so Women are so confusing. I know, and I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what was great is we both, he like, he immediately responded and was like, uh, yes, which was funny. And I was like, oh, maybe he's a creep. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> he said yes <laughs> now to I'm my invitation. <laughs> and so we kind of like cooled our jets for two seconds and he was like, Maybe I should fly out to New York first and meet you, and then we'll go to the Bahamas. And I was like, just totally oh, logical. Okay, I like that. Come out to New York. Yeah. He was making the like the huge the effort. effort to come yeah. out. So he came out um, that next weekend, which was happened to be my April show. Mm-hmm. And then um, last best time ever, first time I laid eyes on him, I was like, oh, there he is. Hi, there he is. I'm that's right my here. dude. Like that's my guy. <laughs> um, and we just had this amazing weekend. It was unforgettable. And and just I think when you meet somebody that mimics your energy and enthusiasm mm-hmm. for you is is a rare and cool thing. Of course. Uh, and the fact that we didn't meet in person first and it was like this weird setup. Yeah. I'm grateful for it so much now. But then he came to the Bahamas. The following weekend, I was in San Francisco for a trunk show. Yeah. He was there. We spent every weekend together Road trip for with <laughs> eight weeks. Wow. And on the eighth week, we were in Las Vegas, and I brought a wedding dress. For you? For me. And him? He brought a tux. We without both, discussing? No. Without what? discussing. We both what? thought, like, in our brains, we should elope and we're get in Vegas. married in Vegas. After eight weeks? Yeah. After eight weeks. And you did it. So we didn't get married. Okay. And here's why. Because <laughs> your parents would kill you. Okay. So our parents would kill us because his side is Catholic. My parents are pretty Christian or yeah. whatever. That was a, a big factor. Sure. And I obviously am very respectful of that. But it, we got a little too tipsy, to be honest. <laughs> You couldn't like, make it to the chapel. We couldn't make it, but like not like Ross and Rachel. Were like, you dressed up? We started to like overanalyze, which was so good. But we were like, what are we doing? We cannot do this. And then I started to think, I'm oh a bridal gown designer. Like, how could I possibly elope? When In I'm, just one dress. And, and just one dress. Like, And I don't even like the dress I brought. And I and then he started to think about how, I guess he like called a friend. He phoned a friend. Yeah. And the friend was like, there's nothing better than when she's walking down the aisle and that like authenticity that of moment. seeing that person sure. and, and declaring and having the accountability of all your friends there. And your family. Vouching for your marriage. Like there's yeah. something magical about it. And so we like, okay, I'm going to take a two step. Put on the brakes. Like, yes. <laughs> Kick fault change. Just kidding. Um, but so that's, we, that's we didn't amazing. get married, but we almost did. Oh we were, my gosh. But then you knew yeah. basically he was the that I, you were meant for so each other. So we got engaged two weeks later. At that point. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> it's funny because you love Disney princesses, but in many ways your life has been a fairy tale. Like this man flew from across the country. Yeah. And eight weeks it, later you almost got married to him. I feel guilty feeling that lucky, but it's it's 
it's so fun because, you know, I think a lot of people have such a different story and a different love story. And that's really the beauty of it yeah. is to see something that is, you know, almost curated by the universe mm-hmm. for you. And I always tell my girlfriends, it's it's like, for me, like, I know it's, it's an extreme case sometimes, um, but it can, it can happen out of nowhere. Literally. And it can also happen to somebody that your childhood best friends with. You just got a text. Reconnect. In the middle of the or, night. Yeah. Exactly. And I love to keep that hope alive mm-hmm. because I think that people want to feel enthusiastic and they want to feel romanced by life. Yeah. Um, and if you get too caught up in the mechanics of it all, it, you know, you just. You lose that. You lose it. And it's, you can always get it back though. I, yeah. I authentically think that. You can yeah. always get the spark back. But um, but yeah, we I it's a cool story, and I love I love sharing it, and I hope it encourages or just it makes people feel good. It doesn't make them feel like oh that girl like how did she get like that you know? No, which I I mean how could you like you're the sweetest person like it happened life happens to you right? I I definitely didn't hold back. I forced it almost. (laughs) Luckily, (laughs) come to the the baby. I, that's maybe one of my favorite stories ever. Oh, thanks. Um, so we have some questions from fans, okay. and I wanted to answer them now. Um, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Question. If you had to pick one dress you have designed to call your favorite of all times, which would it be? I usually never pick a favorite because I always have a new favorite or something <laughs> that I appreciate, the sure. next one and all that. But this past collection, I did a dress that we named the Gilmore. Okay. Um, after David Gilmore, because I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, we embroidered baby unicorns. All over it. And baby mermaids. And Aladdin's castle. Got and it. like all this random stuff into the dress. And it, it was very um, delicately put in there because mm-hmm. I used a toile oh. as the inspiration. Okay. So there's all these floral accents. And sure. it just happens to be in the scenic part where you normally see... You know, somebody on a boat or yeah. like... Instead, there was a unicorn. There was a little baby unicorn. Yeah. Haley Page 12. <laughs> I love Fantasia, that movie uh-huh. with like the dancing hippos. Oh my and, God, yes. Oh my gosh. So that dress to me was like Was Fantasia. That, was Fantasia in dress form. Okay. Um, and a little bit trippy, which is where like the Pink Floyd thing comes in. Okay. So, uh, but that I would, that would pick that one. That's your current favorite. Yeah. All right. What is one business mindset or habit you've carried throughout finding success? What would you say to someone who's roadmapping entrepreneurship for the first time? I think to not be turned off by how many people are already in this space. Hmm. Because, and what I mean by that is with design, you know, people always say, oh, I want to be a designer. I want to be a designer. And everybody, you know, all these people want to be designers. How could I possibly be a designer? There's no room for me. There's no room. That's what you think. But it's so funny because there is room. And I think that's also part of the camaraderie and wanting Mm -hmm. to empower people and, and tell them to give it a shot because you, you're you unique. Your fingerprint, your mind, everything about you is unique. And you're going to bring something to the table that nobody else is bringing. Um, as long as you're kind of true to your craft and your authenticity, it's, it's so important to not mm-hmm. be turned away by competition yep. or, or the space that there's already great designers there. So keep on keeping on. Yeah, keep keeping on. And you did two years you annoyed these people here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and now you're here. I mean, you you can't, uh, there was a quote where it's like, we, we've come this far, we've come so far to only come this far, mm. which I like. Yeah, so. I think it's a good one. Yeah. Next one. How do you decide whether or not to get a second reception dress? How do you decide? Mm-hmm. I say yes. <laughs> you Obviously. are the wrong girl. Um, I am so more is more. So, but you know, it's funny because a lot of trunk shows when I meet these beautiful brides and they're just so sweet and 
loving, um, when they really fall in love with a dress, they want to wear it forever. Mm-hmm. And I did go through that experience where my first Meaning dress- Meaning not change into not something change, else. Not oh, change, and they want to wear it as long as possible. And I so get that because my first look- um, I didn't want to take it off. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's done already. It's like, perfect, I, yeah. And I was excited for the next dress, obviously, but I was, I was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to take it off. Um, so there's a two, there's two ways to go about that. But okay. I would at least, if you're going to go reception, to do something completely different than what your ceremony a dress is. A start departure from yeah. your ceremony. Because that's a, that's a big debate for girls is, oh, do I go for the ball gown or something sexy and, and fitted? Sure. And with that, you can do both. You can have both. Yeah. All right. Um, how do you go about wearing different outfits on your wedding day? Do you change your hair and makeup as well? I'd love any tips on doing this. I think it's a fun idea to really play with your look and to plan, like be very premeditated with it mm-hmm. because you don't want to feel flustered on the spot. Um, so during your, if you have two dresses, let's say during your fitting, it'd be a good idea to do your hair and makeup trial Mm -hmm. before the fitting. So you can really see the full look. So you go in with the hair done when you put the dress on. Go in and kind of style it while you're there. Because I mean, the alterationist will be doing a lot of work to the hems or other areas. You're just standing there. You're just standing there. So it's really good if you kind of bring some homework with you Mm -hmm. and do it on the spot. I love that. I, I love Pinterest too. So, you know, it's great to kind of get into the pinning nature of things and just, not hold too much of an expectation mm-hmm. once it comes on you because it's always going to be a little bit different sure, when it's on you. Sure, because everybody's different. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of girls change up their hair and makeup. Um, just keep in mind, if you are going to do that, you'll have to keep your team around there with you and it'll be an For many charge. more hours. So yeah. if you have a budget, I would say keep the same hair and makeup yeah. because the dress is going to be different. Um, but if you don't have budget, I mean, go for it. Live your best life. Yeah, and just know that it is going to take time away from your wedding day, though. That's the big thing so, I was going to say. Like, yeah. it could be 30 more minutes. You're yeah. not with your friends and, and family. And you'll feel anxious. Or an hour. Or... We had a bride. She was gone for an hour. Yeah, I mean, that's a serious amount of time. Of her five-hour party. That day she goes so fast. That's, see, that, that's, that's one of the... Unless you get real creative and say, you know, people can come into my... While I'm getting my hair and makeup done, they can come and say hi to me or whatever. Sure. You can check those boxes, yeah, maybe. But otherwise, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's lot tough. going on. All right. What are your thoughts on vintage wedding dresses? Have you ever worked with vintage dresses? What eras inspire you? Personally, I'm hoping to wear my grandmother's 1940s dress, which is oh still in incredible shape. Any suggestions for modifying what to do, not to do? Oh my gosh. I love that. I think there's such a sentimental value in that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she should totally go for it. I would just be very careful with alterations because even if the dress is in great shape, over time, um, rhinestones will oxidize, fabrics will tatter and get um, very, very supple and fray very easily. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend really doing your research and finding somebody that's used to working with vintage pieces. It depends what kind of fabric it is too, but um, I would just keep in mind that the less you do to it, the better because if you find yourself changing so much of the dress, um, you risk you know, ruining parts of it or having issues in the alteration side of it. But um, I think it's a beautiful thing. I'm most inspired, I think, by the 70s, uh, like American Hustle style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love every, like, every era. I mean, the Dior era, like Couture, yeah. Charles James, like, oh, yes, all of it. Um, and it, it's great that you have this continuous, like, like area to just explore and and there's always a new era there's always a new way to interpret it Mm -hmm. um and yeah i think it's you know you make it your own yeah so it's 
beautiful that chapter is. And it's your grandmother's. I mean, it's definitely one of a kind. That's really special. All right, we have two more. What drives your creativity to make such amazing dresses? Because let's face it, your creativity and talent is beyond dreams. Oh my God, I love her. And how do you feel when a girl, such as myself, tries on one of your amazing dresses, ugly cries, LOL, and just knows this is the one? Okay, she's my spirit animal, first of all. (laughs) And that like comment alone is really what motivates so much of my process because mm-hmm. when you have somebody that's equally as excited, just like with Danny, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you just want to keep delivering and keep sure. just making it so such a cool process. Uh, I think a lot of my creativity comes from um, different types of energies and characteristics. I love drawing and I used to do comic book sketches when I was little. Oh, and really? You're just a jack of up, all trades. Gymnast, comic like, book stretch, like everything. like a caffeinated squirrel or something. <laughs> I was like, ooh, a sparkle. Like, <laughs> I'm going to chase it. <laughs> exactly. I get really distracted, which is funny. I don't think I have ADD, but I definitely get like on these tangents. Sure. So, um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that I really love tapping into different energies and thinking about personalities because mm-hmm. that really is such a big part of what makes somebody who they are, the yeah. way they react to things, what what they like stylistically. It usually comes from their personality. Uh, so when I design, I like to think, okay, this girl is totally getting married at the plaza mm-hmm. and she loves, you know, drinking a dirty martini with her pinky in the air. And uh-huh. blah, 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 blah. Or this girl is like, Homegirl country, she'll probably wear cowboy boots with it. Uh-huh. You know, you kind of like put the whole So you vision see the together. full vision in oh, yeah, your design. Totally. That's amazing. Yeah. Like location, accessories. Yes, I love it. Huh. And that's also great too because building the storyline in and having this animation factor, I think also helps with the branding of it because you think on another level of fantasy that's, you know, putting all these pieces together and coming up with these little storylines. Each dress is so unique, just yeah. like the bride. So it kind of I love that. carry their own little their own story. world. Yes. And our last question, which I think is a great one. How do you feel seeing your girls of all shapes and sizes wearing your beautiful gowns? Did you design them with that in mind? I, for one, dreaded the bridal shopping experience since I'm not a model size, but was brought to tears when I slipped into oh. your Lorelli gown. I felt so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Um, that is such a good question, and it is so, ugh, like... It's a big fashion question of the moment, too. It is too. a huge fashion question. You know, here's the thing. You, as a designer, you really have to have a scale and a range because if you pigeonhole yourself to, you know, just this sexy look and mm-hmm. every single one of your ad campaign shots is like All sexy. this 10-foot tall, elongated, like low-back, sexy, you know, just like all of the things mm-hmm. she has going on. Yeah. Um, it creates a fantasy and it's so exciting, but I think a lot of women now want something a little bit more relatable mm-hmm. and they do want to feel the translation factor in how it would look for them. They want to see themselves in the world. Yes. Yeah. And you know, you cannot be everything to everyone and not every dress can be for every girl. Mm-hmm. And that's even the same for like social media. Because sure. when you post something, when people get offended by a post or something or they're like, oh, this... And it's like you kind of have to remind yourself not to be too offended by it because it's not like every post you're going to appease to every single person. Sure. Um, but with sizing, you it's a no-brainer to really think about how you can balance your assortment and make sure that certain dresses are really catered to a great grading base, which mm-hmm. means that that size can grade all the way up to 28. Got it. Um, so or it keeps all the way down to, to negative zero or yeah. whatever. I mean, I have these girls that come in and they're just like 
like little waifishly thin. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't even have that <laughs> size. And then I also have girls coming in and they just have curves for days. Yeah. And like, they want to be able to put on a sample in that store and at least be able to understand the proportion. Sure. So it is so important, like even from a store base, because one of our stores, um, our, our main store, our flagship in LA, um, we buy in multiple sizes for, mm-hmm. our, for our samples because you can have a size 10 that will fit, you know, I don't know, girls four sizes above and below that yep. maybe. And then you have girls that are a size 22 and you want to have a sample that is at least in that range so that they can really- So they can get it on. Really understand the proportion. Um, Because there's nothing worse than going into a store, feeling like ostracized in a way, or feeling like the sales consultant maybe doesn't quite want to be fully honest or something. Um, So I think it's just important and it's an opportunity to really just feel like you have some range Mm -hmm. and that you understand- that women come in all shapes and beautiful sizes. And it's great that we can offer um, and do customizations with sizing. And there's there's really nothing greater than making somebody feel that beautiful and just like, this was my dress and it was designed for me. And you know what, girl? It was designed for you. Like, that's exactly what I wanted to have happen there. <laughs> great. Perfect. Yeah. So really dresses for anyone, ethereal and fun and romantic. Yeah. I love that. Well, this has been so much fun. Um, oh. Where can people find you, website and Instagram? Um, they can go to our website, HaleyPage.com. Mm-hmm, which <laughs> was bought <laughs> years ago. You were so ahead of the game. <laughs> I know. Um, that, was, that was cool. But um, And then you can go to the Instagram, which is at Miss Haley Page. And the spelling is different. The Your spelling Haley is different. Pages. Yeah. H-A- so it's M-I-S-S and then H-A-Y. Don't forget that Y, mm-hmm. L-E-Y, and then P-A-I-G-E. Perfect. Um, and then we've got some extension brands that are great. Blush by Haley Page, Haley Page Occasions, which mm-hmm. is Bridesmaids. And then we just launched- You have little kids. La Petite Oh my God. <laughs> I couldn't stop. It was so cute. The little kids I are die. the cutest. Oh my gosh. I know. They were like, I have to have them now. Uh, like backstage. Your own kids or kids? No, I'm going to have kids. Okay. Like that is happening. Uh, yes. Okay. But like I want them backstage with me because yeah. they're so light uh-huh. and so just genuine yeah. in the moment. And they just put on those dresses and, and we're a, twirling. You're just happy. And just like, this is so great. So, so for all happiness yeah. and bridal in life, follow all of Haley Page's accounts. Yes. Thank you so much You're for having so me. You're so welcome. It was so I'm much sorry fun. sorry I talked your ear off. No, it was so great. <laughs> Should we talk questions about you now? Uh, no, we'll do that over drinks <laughs> okay, next <fine>. time. Okay, <laughs> Bye. Bye. Weddings-ish. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Weddings-ish with Jove. It really means the world to me. I would also love to encourage you to share with your friends the podcast link, share on social media, and of course, feel free to leave us a great five-star review on iTunes. It's super helpful. It takes just a moment. Tell us what you're loving, why you love it. And again, if you have any wedding planning questions, we'd love to hear them. Podcast at jovemeyerevents.com. Again, it's podcast at jovemeyerevents.com. Send any and all questions. We love to answer them. No questions off limits. Weddings-ish. The music in this podcast was recorded by Mel Flannery of Mixtape Cover Band. If you're looking for a wedding band that will get you rocking and dancing and all over the dance floor, you should definitely check out Mixtape Cover Band. Weddings-ish. Weddings-ish.